antiques and vintage. I love anything that is old and antique and and you know with with vintage I just love how well they were made, the, the, the way they were you know, worked into the detail and, you know, sometimes you get vintage clothes and you are, I, I just feel amazed of how well they, they, they done them, you know, um, and how they last for so long. Hello, I'm June Hark. I'm the founder and creative director of slow fashion brand Mininet London. Welcome to our talks where we will be exploring conscious style and the art of transformation. Today I'd love to welcome my guest. She's a fashion design veteran. She's worked for some of the biggest names in fashion from high street to high end. If you've bought anything from a shop or store down Oxford Street over the last couple of decades, chances are she may well have been responsible somehow. Uh, she's also a fashion tutor and she's also very recently just launched her own slow fashion brand. So I'd love to welcome Henny Camina. Hi, Henny. Hi, hello. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to come and chat to us today. So I'd love to know a little bit more about your, your background, some of the brands that you've worked on uh, up to this point. Uh, well, a lot of brands, actually. Uh, I've been in the fashion industry uh, as a network specialist for over 20 years. So um, I did other things apart from from knitwear, but that's my main my main speciality. I I started in Spain back in Spain where I worked for a small boutique brands, and then I went into Inditex doing knitwear for Star Woman, and then I moved to London, and in London I I worked for some uh, suppliers and um, small fashion studios. And then I went to work for the Arcadia Group, doing Miss Selfridge. After that, I was doing freelancing. And after three years of doing freelancing, I returned to Spain where I was, I have been working for a luxury, a couple of luxury brands, uh, CH, Carolina Herrera, and um, Purificación García. Great. Yes. And um, sorry, go on. Now that's a summary of uh, of all the companies I work with. Yeah. So just in addition to working for those brands, you also studied at Central St. Martin's in London, which is, you know, one of the most renowned fashion colleges in the world. Um, so did you always know that fashion was your calling and, and that's where you wanted to, that was where you wanted to work? Uh, not really. Um uh, I well, I was always my mum is a dressmaker, so as a child, I was always uh, seeing her working, helping her, uh, and and that was you know every day I had to help her for a little bit, so I learned a lot. Uh, but and I liked it. I was you know seeing customer fittings and even as a little little kid, like giving opinions. I thought you know my opinions were valuable. <laughs> then. I realized they weren't. Of course, I'm sure uh, I wanted to do. Yeah, <laughs> I I wanted to do something more creative. Um, I wanted to get out, you know, and do something. Uh, get out from from the the little place in the north of uh, Galicia in Spain and and do more. So uh, at first I wanted to do fine arts, but it wasn't possible. Uh, so then I my second option was fashion. 
and and yet I've been doing that ever since. And finally, now after twenty something years of doing it, I'm back in Spain and doing my little brand, uh, which is a little bit based on what my mom taught me. Um, and I'm still helping, no, learning from her. So because I'm close to where she is, she's kind of returning to the origin, which is which is very interesting. Yeah, that's super interesting. Well, I mean, the mainstream fashion industry has come under a lot of scrutiny over the last, well, increasingly over the last few years. And, you know, whether that's about sustainability or ethics or, you know, supply chain, or even we as consumers, how we buy stuff and how we are kind of, we're part of the problem too, in in the fact that, you know, it, it, or is it us that we are demanding things or is it the industry that's telling us we need things when we need to keep buying? Um, and you know, how, how that affects then production in terms of having, mm. ne- needing to have new things every season. What is your take on all of that? Well, I, you know, I always felt a little bit, uh, conscious from, from a very early, early stage. Um, but in different ways, it's been an evolution of like the way I, I, been feeling guilty, uh, aware of many problems. At the beginning, it was more a situation where, when when I was working with suppliers, um, I will never get to see the way they work because they you will go to like for example Hong Kong, go to the nice offices, beautiful offices. So you thought everything was fine, um, and then uh, when I moved to the UK. Uh, the regulations started to change. So, so fashion companies in Europe uh, started to demand a little bit more clarity and transparency from their suppliers. So uh, part of that was that we were able to visit the factories. Um, and that was the first time I, I went into a, a factory that is uh, probably back in 2005, 2006. Um, and although I knew uh, the factories had like uh, improved, you know, the way they work and the way everything looked for us, you know, we were there, we had sent auditings and, you know, auditing companies and everything, I was still shocked. <laughs> I came back like, what and I, something? well, it was just the way, uh, well, I had this feeling, I mean, I was probably wrong, but, you know, like, um, seeing very young people, extremely young people in the in the uh, production chain and children. Uh, well, then you know it's kind of like the, you, you kind of feel like they are super young, but then you can't really tell. You know, they might be eighteen and yes. so it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and and then it was more about the dormitories, the 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 fact that they. They lived there, basically. They had a part of the factory where, and that was in most factories, where they would live and sleep and they would eat there. I was just very poor. I mean, yeah. the, the, the canteen was dirty. I don't know. It was, it was really shocking for me. So I remember like getting back to the hotel on, on a bus or a van. I can't really. And thinking and thinking and being a little bit shocked with what I had seen. This has changed a lot in the last 15 years or a little bit more because China is, is 
Well, it's changing. Last time I've been there a couple of years ago, it was completely different, incredible roads. Uh, all the factories, they, they are more like occidental factories. So in that sense, everything has changed. But then, you know, the concerns and the worries, they move on to, uh, at some point, you start thinking about mass consumerism, the way you are feeding into that, you're giving customers uh, designs and, and stuff to buy every month, every week. So you're becoming more aware about that and about the uh, the, the mass producing, all the waste, you know, uh, what happens with all that waste. And then it's, that's, that's when you fall into the uh, concerns about sustainability. So it's all a process. And I think my process has been going along with uh, most designers and more people in general. I think that's something that we're more aware of now. Yeah, so you've, um, as you just mentioned uh, before, you have recently just launched your own slow fashion brand. So is it your, you know, your work in the industry that led to that? Or what brought you to, to decide to set up your own brand? Well, it was a little bit of for all those concerns I, I just mentioned that, you know, there was always a part of me that didn't feel really happy in the fashion industry. Um, when, you know, you think it's creative, it's not that creative because at the end of the day, you are working for different brands. You have to be flexible, you adapt for their customers and, and you know, you have many limitations. So it's not really that creative. I also found myself that, and this is something I think we, we, we talked about the other day, when when you are creative, you work for a company, and it seems that your creativity has been damaged in a way. You are more creative when you are free. Somehow. Yeah, or, or you have to, you know, there's a, there is a box. There is a... Yes, a exactly. You have, like, all these... Yeah. Um, so... But I never thought of having my own brand. It wasn't something that crossed my mind. I knew I had friends that had, you know, set up their own labels and I knew how difficult it was. So I never imagined that. Or at least in the, in the normal understanding, understanding of what a fashion brand is. Yeah. Uh, but when, when COVID uh, started, um, in a way, I had to stop working because of all the COVID uh, situation, and and so I just thought I can I can I need to do something. So I went on to do these my YouTube tutorials um, as a way of you know keeping myself entertained and and you know also uh, searching on my on my teaching side. So. I was doing these tutorials and when I was doing things, it was kind of, oh, this is nice. Some people were giving me good feedback. Slowly, slowly, I had like a small group of garments. And that's when we, you know, I thought, well, why, why not? Why not grow it organically? Yeah. So the way slow fashion works, it allows me to have a fashion brand, but in a different way. Yes. It's, it's not the way my mother worked. It's not like a dressmaker would work, but it's similar. Yeah. So you work on your own piece, you work by demand, and, and it's much better. So let's see what happens. Yes, of course. I hope it, hope it really takes off. And also just the way that, you know, you, you find these fabrics and um, every piece is one off. And, you know, can, can you talk a little bit about that? 
Uh, well, yeah, I literally focused on, on at the at the beginning when the whole idea started with upcycling. I started to I did a couple of tutorials uh, on upcycling shirts and t-shirts, and and I thought that was great. You know, I just loved the idea that I was using something that that was yeah second hand, but you know didn't have any any appealing to it and then I made it into something a bit nicer and so I recreated something new and then uh, apart from that I also do I, I go to a place uh, it's like a it's quite a crazy place it's a big warehouse that takes on to all the fabrics um, leftovers from all the Galician companies in this part of Spain which is where Inditex and Sara is there's loads of fashion companies here. Mm. So they take on all the, you know, leftover fabrics, fabrics they don't use. So I go there and I buy, you know, what I like and, and I and I do more things. Great. So can you describe your, your design aesthetic? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't I don't particularly think I have I know it comes up in a way, which is probably uh, it says things about me, about the things I like. Is everything I guess is inside, and the inspiration comes from all the things I like. You know, music, uh, arts, literature, cinema, and antiques, um, vintage. I love anything that is old and antique, and and you know, with with vintage, I just love how well they were made, the the, the way they were you know, worked into the detail and, you know, sometimes you get vintage clothes and you are, I, I just feel amazed of how well they 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 done them, you know, um, and how they last for so long. Yes. It's just, yes, it's something. So I guess, yeah, my aesthetic or, you know, I don't really think about anything. I just... Uh, think about the material I have and I think, what can I do with this? Yeah. But then it all comes together in a way when I see the individual pieces, they all have something in common. Mm. Yeah. So just making a making a dress from scratch and making it uh, from start to finish and then also one by one, that's a very different process to when something's mass produced for, for a big global brand. So can you just talk us through the difference between those two processes? Uh, well, um, they are very, very different. Although, um, all the steps of like making a garment are basically the same. Uh, in mass production, is is all part of like a, a huge team of different like departments and uh, and groups of people that is really um, is is very well organized. But each person is gonna do a part of the job. Uh, so it goes into different steps that. Well, yeah, you have communication, but not necessarily. So you start with a concept, but then from the moment you leave it till the concept comes out, it goes through so many different. It doesn't belong to you, just just to you. You know, you create it, but and you create it with a team. So it's a completely different thing to when you create something as small for your little brand. Um, then as well, you know, in in in, in mass-produced fashion. All the processes from design to uh, production, the photo shoots, everything, advertising, everything. 
um, all the costs of that, they are all going into uh, the amount of the, the, the amount of garments you're producing of the same style. So you have like yeah, a lot of you know different uh, costings um, shared by a, a huge amount of, of you know products of like from the same design. In a slow fashion, you have all the same process. You have to do photo shoots. You have to have a model. You have to have the pattern, a pattern cutter, buy the materials. All of that is exactly the same, but is all the cost goes on to a little, a very small production. Yeah. Ten garments, a hundred, mm. uh, which a hundred is, is probably a lot for a small brand, and sometimes, which is my case, into just one garment. Yeah. So the process is completely different. You have to think in a different way. Yeah. I think one thing I've really noticed since launching my own brand um, just recently as well is that the idea of slow fashion, you know, it, it's growing. People are really, you know, getting more interested in it. They're starting to understand what it is and they like the idea of it. But then when they look at the pricing of it, there, there's a lack of understanding of, you know, the hours of labor that go into it, the cost of materials. Uh, when you're when you're making something on such a small scale, you know, you, you can't compete with mass produced uh, pricing um for example like one dress you know if it's made of silk that's four meters of silk if you have a, a a lining of silk as well that's six meters and and silk just the raw material you know if you get that from china where it probably started its life it's expensive even there so um and then of course you've got the labor and and all of those different steps and so yeah what do you make of that well, I think that's, that's a great question. Um, because I think, uh, we need to, to educate people. Uh, we need more resources. Uh, you know, we need the help of media, uh, fashion bloggers, uh, influencers, anybody that will help us to, to, to just get the message across. There is a completely different process that people are used to, you know, go to the higher streets, buy something really cheap. Which in many cases is so cheap that going for dinner, going for lunch is more expensive than buying a garment that you should be wearing for a few years. So they don't value what they buy. They just throw it away super quick. As soon as they don't like it, they throw it away because they don't find that value in something so cheap. Yes. So I think we need to educate people about uh, first the value of clothing, no matter how expensive, how cheap. It is. You know, you cannot just buy because, I don't know, I, I think you need to give more value to what is made, who made it, um, um, and what it is. And then on the other hand, uh, if, you, if you want to buy, if you, if you want to buy from, from a small brand, sustainable brands, and a slow fashion, you need to understand the process. Uh, and on that sense, we, it's, it's our duty to be really clear about how we do it, showing, you know, when we are sewing it, when we are making the pattern, how small the team is, talking about the people we work with, or if it's just one person, like, <laughs> say, this is just me. Yeah. So people can appreciate it a little bit more. I think, um, you know, uh, in, in a slow fashion, uh, people need to understand that when you, when it's just you or like five, uh, a little team of five people, you get really close to the product. So you get to love that product. You, you, 
you have a different connection to it. So there is emotional meaning on that, which means that the garment, apart from the materials you're using, that's going to add more value in terms of like uh, emotional value, quality, and and also um, it's going to be more unique in a way. You know, you're going to give, you know, a more special feeling to to the clothes, to to the designs. Yeah, and it's also this, you know, the idea or, or it's how we have been conditioned to consume things and, you know, the idea of throwaway fashion. So slow fashion, the whole idea is that these things are, from the very beginning, they are designed to last. They are meant to last forever or, you know, you're meant to hand them on to someone after you're you're done with it or you're bored of it or it doesn't, you know, you feel you... you yeah, it doesn't work for you anymore. Um, and it's this idea of, you know, repurposing things, reusing, and they're not meant to be thrown away in, in the way that disposable fashion, it very much is based on throw it away, buy a new one, and keep the machine working. So it, it's a different, it's a different setup from the very beginning. Yeah, I think as well that, you know, when you think about fashion, like as, as, you know, originally we uh, we will get clothes to cover ourselves. It was an utility. You know, it wasn't like anything to do with looking good, not looking good. But now they have also this this um, uh, this function of like making you look good. You need to look good. You need to you know be on trend. And and trend, the actual sense of trend is something that is. Uh, it's really uh, not ethical in a sense. It's something, when I think about it, you know, uh, it's something probably fast fashion companies created to make people uh, buy clothes all the time. So there is this trend this winter, you know, when you get to a spring or even mid-season, there is a new trend, a new thing coming in. Like every week you, you change the, you know, the look, you change the style. So people are kind of getting into that, buying, buying, buying. So don't want this anymore. Um, so I think that needs to change, you know. We need to create our personal identities. Yes. We need to know what we like, what represents who we are. So as long as you're you're loyal to your identity and you forget about trends, you're going to be able to build a, a wardrobe that is going to last for a long time. Yeah. So that's more ethical. That is um, a, a slow way of consuming fashion, which is, you know, I think, I hope people are going to get into that. And then, I mean, there are thing, great things at the moment, like Vinted and all those platforms where you can actually sell Things you don't you don't wear anymore and all those things. So that all those things are great. I think something is changing. Yeah. So do you think as people get you know more slow fashion brands uh, arrive and also conscious brands, so not just clothing, but you know other other things that we can buy that that they're made in a conscious way where people really consider their impact. As more of this emerges, do you think people, consumers, the general population will get more aware of of how we consume and that it will change or do you think there will always be because we our generation the generation before possibly even before we're so used to cheap things things that are disposable and 
I'm not just talking about clothes. It's so many things that they're, they're designed to be, you know, they have a, even your phone, it has a shelf life and um, we're used to throwing things away. Do you think that will change? Well, I think, uh, yeah, I think more and more people will become aware. You know, I think uh, social media is helping to to communicate all these new ideas. And I think the younger generations are probably understanding that a little bit better than millennials. You know, millennials uh, uh, are kind of more into the everything is fast. I, you know, I get everything fast. I get the newest thing. So I think... Um, um, there is more and more people, more education, more knowledge about, you know, all those things. So, and more brands. When I started my, my little brand, to be honest, I didn't have a clue more people were doing this. It was just like something that happened. I, I didn't search into this. But then as I started and I went onto Instagram and, you know, Facebook and things like that, I realized how huge it is. How many people, I mean, I just find, and people doing similar things, like literally I could find people doing, having identical brands with a different handwriting maybe or a different style, but literally what they do is exactly the same. Yeah. And, and that is fascinating. I mean, there is like brands, there is one little brand here in, in Galicia, which is, uh, and I would like to mention them because they're great. They are a mother and a daughter. The mother used to be a dressmaker. Um, and they started to make these beautiful shirts. You know, uh, the daughter used to be a designer as well. So they set up this, this brand together and they only do it through, in, through Instagram. They don't even have a website. It's all direct message. You, you order your shirts. I showed you the fabrics. They got huge. A couple of weeks ago, they just have, had launched a small collection especially made for selfages. And it's just like all magazines are talking about them. Wow. Yeah. Uh, every, you know, any cool person in Spain is wearing the, the, their, their clothes. But the, the, the type of business they build is still the same. So when I, when I saw these people doing it, I kind of thought, wow. There is a different way yeah, of doing absolutely. Um, and that gives me a lot of hope. Yeah. So, so yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So what, what happens to the, the global giants then in this world where perhaps, you know, people start getting much more into slow fashion and conscious brands? What do you think will happen to those, those giants? Well, I think they are still going to be around. Uh, maybe some of them will disappear, the smaller brands. I think the big ones, they're going to have to change with, with the times, you know, they're going to have to adapt to, to all these new things and get more into um, ethical, an ethical way of doing fashion and all this. Uh, at the moment, uh, they're all trying to get into it, but it's not good enough. It's all, you know, greenwashing and it's not really, um, it's more a publicity rather than, that, than a reality. But I, I guess in the future, they will get into it. Uh, so I kind of see them as being there because obviously many people wouldn't be able to afford the slow fashion. So they, you know, there is still a need for, for these, these companies, but they will probably do it in a much better way 
And then, you know, they will be uh, working alongside all the small fashion brands, which I think they're going to, you know, be more and more important, I hope. Yes, um, let's hope so. Yeah. Um, one thing we talked about before this, which I would love to, to talk to you about now, is this idea of as, as we get older, we evolve and we transform in, in some way, or it's actually often it can be more like a revealing of what was always there in the core, whether that's creatively or you as a person or, you know, whatever, however you want to, to see that. What's your own experience of that? <laughs> well, I think I, I mentioned a little bit at the beginning, you yeah. know, the way I started with my mother and then yeah. I, I went in, you know, I, I did the full circle. I, you know, when I, especially when I moved to the UK, I literally did everything I wanted to do. I, I studied in St. Martins. I, you know, I explored all creative, uh, cultural, uh, offers in London. Yeah. So that was, I mean, that was incredible for me. But then I came around and I ended up at the beginning. So, um, I, I had been on a process, on a journey, you know, on a personal and, um, uh, professional, uh, ways. Uh, and I think, you know, what I learned is that sometimes what you really want, what you really like is being always there. It's being, you know, inside you. It's just that you cannot see it. Yes. And then you have to go through all the, the, the phases of your life you know, challenging yourself constantly, trying to prove yourself and others what you're capable of, and you know, um, and you probably don't 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 realize the the you know what you have inside, the value you have, and the, the things you're able to do. You need to go through all that to finally get to this point of life thinking. It was always there, you know. It was always there. Um, and, and then also in my, in my case, I came to realize as well that, you know, the simple way of living, of doing things, uh, is much better. It makes you happier. You know, when I stop like pursuing recognition yeah. from others, especially, yes. I became happier. Yeah. And, and in a way, I, I, liberated myself yes. I think I achieved better things the moment I stopped looking into uh, you know what other people were thinking about me or you know so yeah it's been it's been a, a nice uh, a good process um, and I feel much happier with everything with the way I look with <laughs> what I wear everything in general yeah well, I think it's funny, you know, in your 20s and or definitely even before that, but your 20s and 30s, it's very much, it, it's almost like you're searching for validation outside externally from other people or yeah. from the things you're expected to do or you think, oh, by this age, I'm meant to have done blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And you have this list of things that you think you're meant to have done or, you know, benchmarks. And actually, I think as you get older, you just realize, well, actually the validation comes from myself of, you know, do I think I'm successful? Do I think I, I'm doing the things I, I want to be doing? Have I achieved what I, you know, all of those things, it, it's more internal rather than needing needing approval from, from outside. Yeah, and the search for success, you know, at the end of the day, do you really want, am I, I'm, I'm talking about myself at yeah. least, you know, 
there was for a long time I was kind of always thinking I haven't done what I you know I haven't got there I could just I didn't you know get all the opportunities I wanted for myself and then uh, you know, when I look back and I think, it's like, well, maybe, you know, I'm not this big designer or I'm not this big name, but probably I'm happier the way, you know, the way I am. So it's it's not, you know, I think when you're young, it's, it's normal. You have all those dreams. You have all these, you know, uh, assumptions of what you should be, what you, you should do. Um, and I think... It's more important to do, you know, be down to earth and just be happy with what you do. Just work and be happy. That's that's all you need, really. But I, I think it also um, one thing I think is interesting about you is I think it also evolves in you realize what you have achieved, and when you are younger, you don't realize the the um, just just the the extent of what you have already achieved and actually how much you can share and I think as you get older you realize and you start maybe teaching or coaching or mentoring you realize oh hang on actually I've done quite a lot um Mm -hmm. and so for you I know that you were you were teaching as well um at London College of Fashion and you've you've started doing your tutorials so what is it about coaching and, and sharing your craft that appealed to you um, um, again, you know, as many things that happened to me, I didn't plan to, to teach. But uh, when I was working in the UK, in London, uh, all the all the people in my team, well, when, when we used to get one intern or just a newly graduated uh, person in the team, so I was always in charge of that because uh, my workmates, they always thought, oh, God, you're very patient, you know. You explain really well. You don't get frustrated if they don't understand. So that was uh, part of my, you know, of my responsibilities. And I really liked it. And then, you know, slowly, slowly, and by this guy is telling me, oh, wow, you know, uh, you're so calm. It's, it's, it's great the way you spare. I kind of thought, well, maybe I can do this. And then, you know, as I was getting like... Um, a little bit concerned of like all the things we mentioned before about fashion and you know can we do can I do this in a better way? I started to look into teaching opportunities and I I was lucky to find this um this 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 teaching um opportunity with the London College of Fashion uh which was very challenging. So then I Prove myself I could do it. That was my, you know, my moment of like, yeah, I can teach. Uh, because this was um, a project. Uh, uh, London College of Fashion uh, set up a workshop in a high-security prison for women in London. Wow. Um, yeah, so we were there teaching them. Uh, it was a small team, only three people, teaching them how to, you know, how to sew, how to, well, basically... Every process into into doing doing fashion, um, and we were doing little productions for the small brands as well. Uh, I mean, that was great because you are you are teaching in a different environment with people that they have uh, issues. They are you know they are particular in that way. Um, and you know, I learned so much from them as well. They were so grateful. I mean, you learn a lot when you are in a different context with people 
I mean, you would, I wouldn't have the opportunity to meet people like, like that if I, if, I, if I wasn't there. And, and that was great. I mean, it kind of changed me in many ways. Yes. So, so yeah. And then when I, I tried to carry on with teaching, I moved back to Spain. Um, and here it's very difficult to get into university. And, and I'm still trying though. But it's, it's quite complicated. So meanwhile, you know, I'm just doing my tutorials. Um, and also planning to integrate into the brand the option of life. For the people that are not able to, to buy the clothes because they are, you know, they are probably a bit expensive for some people to give them the opportunity to teach them. I, you know, uh, give them the chance as part of the, of, of my brand to, okay, so, do you like that idea? I helped you. I showed you how to do it. So this is something I'm, I'm playing. Oh, I love it. It's such a nice idea. It's brilliant. So if people want to go and find out where, where they can see these tutorials, where can they go? Well, they need to go to YouTube and find me on Eugenia Camina. Yep. Um, We're going to link below. <laughs> Sorry? We will put a link below. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> So, and then uh, they can find on my website, that's where they can see my collection and the, the things I'm doing is eugeniacamina.com. In Instagram, I'm eugeniacaminoofficial. And if they want to see or get in touch with me about my professional profile, they can also find me as Eugenia Camina on LinkedIn. Wonderful. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to me today. I've, I've loved learning about your your fashion career history and then also yeah your your plans for your your new brand um and also your creative journey as well it's been great so thank you so much and thank you so much for watching if you'd like to know more about conscious style please check out the website minionetlondon.com we've also just started a facebook group conscious style where we will be exploring the topic in greater detail so please join the conversation and if you liked this video, then I would love it if you could like it, share it and subscribe. That would be amazing. Thank you so much. See you next time.